0: and welcome to a special edition of Much Language Such Talk. It's me, Karine, and today we're talking about love languages, just in time for Valentine's Day. I don't know about you, but I express the way I care about the different people in my life in a range of different ways. Whether it's the language I'm speaking, like telling my father a Hebutach in Hebrew and telling him I love him, cooking a meal for my best friends, or sending memes to my sibling about the stupid things we did as kids, I have a love language to tell them how important they are to me. Each of us is part of a different culture and community, and often a mix of them, which shows their affections differently. While the media does put a strong emphasis on romantic love, we at Much Language Such Talk also love to talk about how we care and show our love for each other. Each of the languages that we speak has a deep history which has led to the words we use to express our affections. So today, we're talking with some of our friends and families about how they show that they care for each other. But wait, there's more. Not only will you hear from our loved ones, but we're also joined by Dr. Jean-Marc Devalle, a language and emotion researcher at Birkbeck University of London. Jean-Marc studies how languages interact with how multilinguals communicate and recognize emotions in different situations. Now let's meet everyone and learn a little more about our emotions.
1: Hi, I'm Giulia and I'm from Italy.
2: Hi, I'm Sergio and I'm from Guatemala.
3: Hi, my name is Rufio. I was raised speaking three languages at home, English, Hebrew, and Finnish. I'm here today with my friend and flatmate.
4: I'm Vilma. I was born in Finland and grew up speaking mostly Finnish, but nowadays also English and some German and Swedish.
5: It's Jane. Uh, My first language is um, Cantonese. My second language is uh, English and also Putonghua. And I could speak some Spanish.
6: My name is Angel. My first language is Spanish, and my second language is English.
7: Hi, I'm Maria. I am from Spain, specifically from Galicia, but I live in Edinburgh, Scotland. I speak Spanish and Galician, those are my mother tongues. Then I speak English, some French. I did some basic German in uni, and thanks to Galician, I can, I can communicate in Portuguese and
8: understand some basic Italian. Hi, I'm Bérangère and I speak French, English and technically Spanish as well.
9: Hi, I'm Esperanza and I technically speak English. (laughs) I am supposed to speak Spanish and I've learned French and German, but please do not (laughs) talk to me in those. My name is George. Uh, this is my mother, Nadine. Uh, we're Lebanese. We speak Arabic, French, and English interchangeably. Hi, I'm
5: Roberta from Italy.
6: Hi, I'm Herman from Argentina. And we also have Leonardo, our son.
5: Leonardo from
0: Scotland. Now you know some of our friends and family, so let's get to know a little bit more about them. Hey, guys. In what language or what languages did you meet? So we met in English.
2: Well, we're doing our masters at the University of Leeds in England, and that was four years ago.
1: Yeah. In,
4: in what, what language did we meet? Hello. In what language did we meet? I th- we met. Yeah, I've, I've just arrived back to Finland. I was taking a shower and you came home. I'm like, hey
3: <laughs> <laughs> Guy England. Nicks. Yeah, we probably yeah, we, we spoke in English at first.
4: Yeah. I think we spoke in English first. I'm like,
3: hey, you're the
4: new roommate, aren't
3: you? Yeah.
4: Roberta and I met in
6: Buenos Aires in in twenty twelve and she was on vacation there and so we were speaking Spanish. So that was our primary language for, for communicating back then.
7: My parents met speaking both Spanish and Galician. They spoke both to each other because my dad comes from the countryside and a Galician-speaking family, whereas my mom is from a city where she was spoken Spanish, even though most of her family spoke Galician around her. Galicia is quite a bilingual region and most conversations happen in both languages. Either it's both speakers using both of them or each speaker using one. So that situation was quite common for them.
8: That would be English. Then, you to, I mean, do you want to add anything? I don't say it was English, but we, I was
9: told I could speak to you in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the introduction, as in English. But just so you know, <laughs> this is your language. <laughs> okay, yeah. But, but Our
8: language. Our, our language, but, but English.
0: We know we have a ton of languages between everyone. What language do you use most with each other? Is it situation dependent, like do you use a specific language while cooking when you're fighting certain types of activities, maybe at home or outside the house?
9: We use those languages languages interchangeably. I don't think it's related to the situation. I think it's it's just uh, it just comes
5: mm-hmm.
9: uh, as it comes uh, and I should add maybe a fourth kind of language, mm-hmm. which is uh, probably the most frequently used by our household, in our household, yeah. that would be the combination of all three together. Yeah. No. No, no, like, that- uh, in any sentence, you might find uh, a combination of Arabic and French
1: and English, any combination.
10: I would say that's accurate.
1: Usually when we talk we mix our languages, so Italian, Spanish, and English, and there's literally just no...
2: There's um, no order. Yeah,
1: there's no, there's no rule for this. It's just very random. Mm-hmm. And Sergio, especially, he mixes. He's, he's not very aware of how he mixes, and it's just like his brain doing all the... <laughs>
2: all the languages at the same time. Yeah. I think also we have kind of adopted different phrases or words from each language. So yeah, for example, I tend to say a lot "bo," which means just "I don't know" in Italian. Just this one word that encompasses everything, and also yeah, it's
1: probably uh, it's, it's it's a way of you know it's a faster way of, of saying something. "Bo" in Italian means just "I don't know," and we just use it in Italian. <laughs> but for example, there are some areas of of vocabulary that we just developed in one language more than another. So for example, Sergio, because he learned cooking in Italian and in English. He wasn't cooking that much when he was back home. He basically... <laughs>
2: I know all the terms in English and Italian. So sometimes when I tell my parents what we have cooked for the day, for the weekend or whatever, uh, I get stuck in Spanish. <laughs> I have no idea how items are
1: called. <laughs> yeah, or, or ingredients. And um, let's say that, well, so for example, Um, what happens is that because of, because our social and work life is, is mainly in English, because of course we live in the UK, um, then perhaps, you know, at the end of the day, when we ask each other, how was your day, then that tends to be in English. But for example, when we talk about memories, uh, like events of the past that took place in our home countries, then we tend to use more our first languages. Not necessarily, this is all while mixing, but I would say mm-hmm. mainly. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And then we have some, some um, preferred languages for some daily rituals. So for example, when we say goodnight, we always, always say it in Italian and in Spanish mm-hmm. both. That doesn't happen in English. I don't know, probably because it's, yeah. Um, yeah, the way that I got used to it. Yeah. <laughs>
8: Uh, What language do you use most with each other? That would be English as well. Is it situation dependent? I will let Espe answer that.
9: I'm going to say it started as all this is practice Spanish because I clearly need to practice my language. (laughs) And then it just became a thing of I want to say something. We're in a very crowded room. (laughs) It's usually I want to comment out. So, <laughs> and then I don't know, it just became the language of, we just don't want the rest of the world to know what we're saying. And then every now and then there will be French, which is coming from media's <laughs> mocking people like, "bonjour," forget from us and that kind of thing. But yeah, it's very. dependent. Yeah. So yeah.
8: Summary so is mostly English, except when uh, we don't want other people to understand. In that case, it's Spanish. With some words in French, uh, if, like, I don't have the Spanish word, for example, or Espe is taking the piss, obviously.
6: <laughs> I don't think we have a um, primary language. So after we met in, in Buenos Aires... Then I moved to Italy at the time. I didn't speak uh, Italian fluently, but I learned it whilst I I was uh, in Italy where I spent a year, more or less. And then when we came back to Buenos Aires for another year, we completely switched to Italian at the time. And since then, we've been speaking both either Spanish or Italian, you know, depending on the situation. I don't know, is there a specific...
5: uh, Yeah, for sure. We uh, use a lot of code switching. So we probably start our conversation in one of the language, for example, Spanish. And generally we end the conversation in Italian or the other way around. Um, So it depends a lot on, of course, a specific maybe word or something that is very clearer in the other language a specific concept or the better word in one language that specify the context so yes more or less we switch yeah. all the time.
6: I was thinking sometimes it's, it's triggered by some you know by maybe by a missing word in the vocabulary yeah. that triggers the use of the other language and then we continue on that one but I think generally we we switch from one to the other all the
3: time. I think Animeing English, Yeah. Since we put in my
4: I think we and default to English a lot. A lot. And, we also, I, and I think I think it has to do with like of of course the subject matter of what we're talking about. And what what we do together is we often watch an English language T V program <laughs> or <laughs> we're talking about a link or an article one of us sent to the other and it's usually in English or I'm talking about my foreign friends or yes
3: true true. we talk about a lot of things that are happening in english so it's very easy for us to to talk about them in english but i think pretty randomly we just jump into finnish and sometimes vilma will talk to me in finnish and i'll respond in english i have a tendency to do that it's also part of what i do at work because i work at a language immersion kindergarten and so sometimes even when the kids speak to me in Finnish, I respond to them in English because I'm trying to encourage them to do that. Um, so it's, I come from like a whole day of that and I come home and then we're discussing in media that's in English. We have a tendency to speak in English a lot, but I think it's pretty, it's kind of, kind of random when we just jump into Finnish, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah.
7: My parents still did speak a main language each. My dad Galician, my mom Spanish, and they talk between them in each of those languages, and they talk to me and my sister in each of those languages too. Uh, so conversations happen quite bilingually at home uh, because we spend most time with my mom as kids. Uh, family conversations tend to be in Spanish, with my dad speaking Galician and switching occasionally to Spanish or using Spanish as the main language, with me and my sister switching to Galician. Um, I guess when we switch more to Galician is when we speak about someone with a Galician speaker, someone from our family or something related to our region, culture, or history, but also activities or topics related to my dad or my dad's careers or interests. So it's a bit, Galician is a bit related to those topics. and more focus in the rest, more focus in Spanish.
0: So how do you say I love you to each other? So what language do you use? Do you specifically say I love you or do you have other ways of showing your affection?
5: It depends on who I express my love and emotions to. Of course, I have to use a language that the recipients will understand. So the uh, recipient's language affects my choice of um, language. For example, my husband, Uncle, is a native Spanish speaker and second language is English. So the only language common to both of us is English. If I have to express my love and emotions, naturally I would choose English. I would not speak Cantonese to him because he doesn't understand. Having said that, we Chinese uh, seldom or oh, at least of my generations, okay? Some of them express love in um I love you, for example. We would uh, use uh, gestures, body language, or sight, and so on, to express that kind of affection. So I would say I don't use the language to express love to my husband. However, to my children, uh, I would use uh, Cantonese, because uh, since they were born, I was using Cantonese all the time with them. So if I have to express my love, I would use Cantonese. That uh, gives uh, us a very intimate um, feeling. Uh, even so, I seldom uh, speak it out by saying, uh, one, one eight, because again, Chinese people are not used to saying it out loud. I will uh, use my actions, my care, um, other things to express my love.
6: In other words, pragmatics.
5: Yeah, pragmatics to achieve this effective purpose.
6: Emotions and love is one of the deepest feelings you can express. Um, language is uh, intrinsically connected with communication. You cannot communicate without language. Uh, regarding emotions, I think um, normally uh, you tend to resort to your first language when you are expressing uh, emotions uh, because your first language is is the anchor. A point, uh, and you have been brought up in that particular language, and um, it's much harder to express to express emotions in in a second language.
1: the so yeah. the
2: way that we say "I love you" to each other uh, as a couple, it's in our first language. Yeah. Well, actually in Spanish and Italian.
1: Yeah, Spanish two, because
2: they are very, very, they're similar. very similar,
1: and we tend to prefer. I think well, probably because to us it has. Make like a, a deeper a deeper meaning yeah. in our first language first and second because unlike english um in italian we have and in spanish as well we yeah. have a different uh, in latin american spanish <laughs> we have a different um i love you for friends and mm-hmm. for your, your partner for a romantic relationship yeah. so so in english it sounds like less, yes. <laughs> less of a, Oh, less. i love you less than than in my first language um so so yeah
8: um how do you say i love you to each other in what language but also in what way especially for the friend groups i never say i love you to anybody but i let Espe be around me and i think that is the most i can do and she's the same so it's fine <laughs> Let's say that our I love you is ¿Quieres ir a That's true, yes. So, do you want to go climbing is how we say I love you to each other.
9: I guess uh, we, we use in our household uh, uh, probably body language as much as uh, a spoken language. So I guess it depends on the interlocutor. Mm -hmm. So so who you're speaking to? So I might, uh, it depends whether I'm saying this to my son. Then I would say it, I love you with all the gestures one can think of. If it is uh, to my husband, then it depends. It might be by kissing his forehead or it might be by saying, I love you. Mm-hmm. But then would it happen in English? Would it happen in, in French? Would it happen in Arabic? Um, I think, you know, this is, this is something that um, if even I could answer it, it really doesn't depend on anything. I would, I would say just as much as I would say, I love you or um, yeah. without any specific link to context. So any specific situation.
10: Yeah.
9: It comes as it comes. It might come in any one of the three languages.
3: Yeah that's sweet um, the way Vilma shows me that they love me is by pinching me with their toes and uh, standing in front of me and not moving if I need to get somewhere.
4: restricting your movements in the kitchen. <laughs> do that for real. I, I try like trying to shove you in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> but I also buy you snacks.
3: Vilma literally just today was like knows that i I like. I kind of started this thing where when I was trying to cut down on smoking that I would like drink soda instead. And now I just smoke and drink soda (laughs) and Vilma will buy soda from me and I'll do the same. I'll swing by the shop even when Vilma doesn't ask and just pick up chocolate that I know that Vilma wants a lot. Hmm. And these are some of the ways in which we show each other that we care. Um, I think it comes out in a number of ways. Linguistically, um, I think, um, our affection has a tendency to come out more in a kind of sibling-esque way. So we're Mm -hmm. kind of like teasing each other, but we've also used- Yeah. yeah, But we've also used terms of endearment. Um, Vilma has like reached for my hand in like an affectionate way, like, oh, come see this. You know what I mean? That kind of- so we we show each other affection even in kind of small ways like that.
4: I don't say I love you in any sense like direct way because that's not how I was raised. I haven't said that to my parents. So yeah in- it would be weird if I would say it to you but but yeah, I definitely feel like I don't know if it's just because of my family dynamic and how or like the Finnish culture which is very big on not saying mushy things out loud
3: it's very true but
4: but my expressions of caring usually tend to be more like spending time spending effort spending
3: patience (laughs) and yeah. Showing somebody that how you feel about them is really the way to go about it in finish. They're people are not as impressed if you're like an all talk, no walk kind of person, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so showing, you know, some of the obvious ways that certain people may think of, you know, when it comes to showing affection actually are not the most comfortable ways for many fins to show affection for me, for example, they seem
4: fake. They seem performative, they seem over the top, especially well, um, Americans in <laughs> on television tend to uh, tend to throw I love this and this for everything for, yeah. for everything. Yeah, I love this and this so much. like do you really?
3: terms of endearment that i would use in hebrew can be really dramatic you know our father would say to us chaim sheli you know like our my lives literally neshama sheli you know my soul they um you can say this in hebrew and also in kurdish you know a sheli like my my eyes yeah you literally say in hebrew like i i i, I die for you or i'm dead over you but in, and the thing is it's not just a linguistic thing. It's a cultural thing. I feel personally comfortable saying I love you in any language that I speak. It's just very, very different to say, I love you. "te amo," you know Part of why I wanted to mention the cultural thing. I mean, like earlier, we were talking about Valentine's Day. We don't have Valentine's Day in Finland. We have which is Friends Day, you know, and they emphasize the importance of friendships.
4: Since Valentine's Day is getting closer, I ju- I keep seeing ads on Finnish television where the post office reminds you to send cards to your friends, and the advertisements are like depictions of deep friendship, like standing by your friend when she has cancer, and that that sort of thing. Like uh, now and now, send a card to like show them you care. Actually, now that I think of it, in those ads too. The point, the very Finnish point, isn't like, tell your friends you love them. It was like, uh, they phrased it as, show your love.
7: Probably we say, I love you more in Spanish. I think because it's a more kind of mainstream, and popular way of saying it. And because it's probably my mom who says it more more or more often, and she speaks in Spanish to us. Uh, but I think there's a difference, like the saying, the words might be in Spanish, but our affection our the way we show affection for each other, like the actions are Galician. I'm not sure if it's the right way to explain it, but I'll try. I think we prove it like and that we love each other, our loving and caring actions are more Galician and uh, because they're more related to our culture and traditions and because for us family is Galician. So I think it feels more that way to me. Um, it is more meaningful when I have my parents take care of me or show affection by, I don't know, making some typical food or making a gift that is related to something that is regional and and our own and unique. So I would say, yes, we do say I love you in Spanish to each other, but our actions and our affection is Galician.
5: I think that we always use Italian for I love you, which is "ti amo. And we don't know why, but I think that Herman said uh, is the language of love. So,
6: yes, somehow <laughs> it is, it's more romantic uh, in, my, in my view. So, yeah, we tend to, to use Italian for I yeah. for love. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, you've heard a bit from our friends and family about all the different ways that they talk to each other and how they express they care for each other, whether it's Little things like always saying I love you in a specific language or buying things for each other or, as my sibling pointed out, getting pinched by someone's toes. (laughs) Now let's hear a little bit more about what our brain and our languages actually have to do with our emotions. So hi, Jean-Marc. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a wonderful opportunity. We've been wanting to talk to you for so long, but let's just jump right in. What does language have to do with love and emotion at all?
10: The answer to that is everything, because um, language and emotions are linked in profound ways, especially languages that children grew up with. They learn the languages with the full involvement of their limbic system, so they absorb not just words, but they in fact also absorb the facial expression of speakers or interlocutors They link words with images or smells. If you think back of your childhood and your parents in the kitchen preparing food, all the words and the vocabulary and the expressions that you learn there, you link with the sound of the spoons and and the smell of the butter in the pan and the the pancakes coming out. And so these are powerful multimodal memories. Also, the the look on the face of parents or friends or teachers when you use an inappropriate word or a swear word that you might still remember the slap you got uh, when you use that word uh, inappropriately or or being told off or being ridiculed or the shame you felt for having done something that you shouldn't have done and that you didn't realize that that word was okay with your friends, was not okay with your teacher. I mean, that is true for monolingual children. It is equally true for multilingual children. So as we grow up, we build these connections between words and other modalities. Now, the thing is that if we learn the words through formal instruction in a classroom, the words may lack that kind of multimodal element in the sense that if you learn about a pancake or a bread or something in in the classroom, you know, the teacher may show you a picture, look, this is a German bread. But you can't smell it, you can't touch it. So it won't have as much emotional resonance as the words where you learn the words in context and where where you you had the full environment linked to it. So I would say that, that explains why multilinguals typically feel that languages they have acquired early in life are emotionally more powerful that they are the languages that they would typically prefer to express their emotions in however it is not a law of nature in the sense that you can be you can fall in love in your second or third language and you can move to the country of your partner and that language can acquire and can become your language of love. And if if you haven't used, say, your first language for romantic relationships, for example, well, then it will be that second or third language that becomes the romantic language for you. And so the second or third language can dislodge the first language from its emotionally uh, dominant position in certain discourse domains because it's always complex and, you know, you, you can still continue to uh, express uh, your emotions with your parents in your first language, but then that, that, that's a different kind of emotion than the emotion of love that you would express in, in your second or third language with your partner. It, it is really complex. It is changing constantly because we are constantly exposed to uh, different people, different languages. And hence, if we are multilingual, uh, we may expand or, or restrain the, the use of languages to particular domains.
0: Wow. Okay. That was amazing. Research has suggested that some people find it easier to express emotions in a second language. Can you explain why that would be the case?
10: So, this is of particular importance, in fact, for psychotherapy, because I've been involved with uh, Beverly Costa, who's a psychotherapist, and we've done a lot of work on Raising the awareness of psychotherapists about the importance of understanding how multilingualism functions and the fact that if, if you use uh, a foreign language, be it your second or third or fourth or fifth language, that the fact that you can talk about the weather in that language does not imply that you can talk about your feelings uh, or about identity issues or about complex issues to do with presentation of self. You may feel that you cannot project an accurate image of yourself in that foreign language because you lack the the pragma-linguistic tools to be subtle and sophisticated enough. So a typical finding is that our participants complain that when they have to talk about complex emotions in a language that they don't master fully, that they feel that they are blunt And unsophisticated and that in fact, it's not an accurate projection of who they really are. And I think it's important then for therapists, for example, to understand this, that being able to have a small talk uh, about something trivial does not mean that that person can in fact go into great depth about how they are feeling and, and the issues they are dealing with. Now, so that is, you could say, then a negative point about having to talk about how you feel in a foreign language. However, there are also advantages, and and, uh, therapists need to be aware of that too, that using the second language, because it doesn't have that emotional resonance, means that participants, clients can talk about traumatic things that happened to them in the first language, and that they can talk about it in their, their foreign language it gives them the necessary distance not to feel the pain too much. And we recently um, I recently published a paper with a former PhD student of mine, uh, Sari Cook, and we had um, three refugee participants and uh, they were refugees in, in the UK. They went to a charity called Room to Heal uh, in London where they had therapy in English, both individual and group therapy and where they were able to reconstruct their self, And starting from scratch, but in English with a supportive uh, community and, and using English to talk about the trauma, uh, as one of the participants said, English allows me to visit my pain because it's just too much to visit in the first language, but using the second language gives them the necessary distance. And I thought that that's really... Moving and impressive. And then I think, you know, the the research we are doing, in fact, has social justice implications in in that we we are not working on something that is abstract and remote from reality. What what we are working on can affect the practice and lives of of real multilingual people. And that's really why we do this research. So so I feel uh, very, very strongly uh, about that.
0: So now that we know that we Express our languages in a specific way. Do people react to emotional situations differently depending on what language it happens in? Would a person possibly react differently to saying, I love you when addressed in a second language rather than in a native language? Well,
10: when we are addressed in a particular language, it activates not only the language, but also the cultural values attached to that language. So being greeted in one language rather than another may elicit. A different nonverbal behavior in you, for example. And interestingly, that may change over time. And that's really the topic that I'm most interested in. It is how we acculturate uh, to a new, a new cultural environment. And very often we don't even realize that we are changing. That at some point you, you suddenly realize that when I started at Birkbeck, I realized that I, I was shaking hands too often because the Belgians, they love shaking hands. The British shake hands, but it, it, it is a rather rare event. You, you, you shake hands when you're introduced to a person you haven't met before, but you won't shake hands with that person again the following day. You won't. Um, but, but that's something that the Belgians would do. And, 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 and I remember the, the look on the face of my colleagues who looked at my hand in, with a certain disgust, like, haven't we shaken hands yesterday? Isn't that enough? And, and I re- realized, oh, okay. Nobody had taught me at school that, you know, the British don't shake hands as often as the Belgians. It's something that I had to find out. And there were some other things that I realized, oh, maybe I'm standing too close and that person is, is walking away from me. Or, So you adapt to the new environment. And then when you return to the uh, original environment, you realize that, in fact, you can't switch back to the person or the way you behaved or spoke before you left. Meaning you you might readapt, but you might go through reverse culture shock or you may have to readapt to your original culture. So when I return to Belgium, uh, my friends complain that I don't shake hands or that I don't seem very eager to give them a peck or on the cheek, something that is 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 usual uh, in Belgium. And then they say, oh, you you turned all British. And in a way, they are right that in some ways I I have adapted to British ways of interaction and and also probably British ways of showing emotions. Uh, Because again, depending on the culture, it is okay or not okay to show emotions in particular ways. And, and we always uh, joke that, you know, the British have to stiff a stiffer lip and hence that they, they may be less expressive uh, in, in uh, showing their emotions. So you have to learn to read how the British express their emotions. And of course, they experience just the same emotions as anyone else in the world, but they don't necessarily wave their arms like the Italians do. Uh, or they don't hit the table with their fists when they are angry, like I have seen at faculty meetings in Belgium, they wouldn't do that uh, in, in, in uh, the, the British academic context. And then again, I have to say that, obviously, uh, I have only been in an academic context, so I'm, I'm not claiming that this applies to uh, all layers of society in the UK. Uh, and, and, of course, so th- this is kind of the disclaimer that you... It's good to avoid generalizing on the basis of your anecdotal experiences. Although, of course, you can observe patterns and you can start looking into this. And that's why I have PhD students also doing research. It's, in fact, testing their hypothesis, the things that they have observed and thought, Oh, hmm, strange. I should check this and, you know, get sufficient participants and then run some stats and see whether this is actually significant or not.
0: I totally get that. Culturally, we each have a different way to react to situations, and each of our languages and our cultures are intertwined, but it makes sense for these things to go about together. Just to wrap things up, how does multilingualism affect how we perceive and use language in emotional situations or our relationships in general? As in, does the ability to speak multiple languages alter emotion and social understanding?
10: I have done uh, research on language choice in, emotion, uh, in intercultural couples. And what, one of the things that struck me is that people have very different opinions uh, on this, that for some people, the language difference between them or, or the cultural difference between them and their partner was absolutely not a problem because they said, you know, sex mattered, <laughs> language was, was, wasn't important. Then other people said, oh, it was fantastic because, you know, I could say things that I couldn't possibly say in my first language because it's so taboo. And we could, I could talk about sex and stuff. So something that I couldn't talk about in my first language because of cultural taboo. So it, uh, the use of the foreign language for romantic relationships was, was liberating. That was one opinion. And then uh, a, another opinion was that, in fact, not being able of expressing quite how the complexity of your feelings to your, towards your partner, that it can feel Constraining for the relationship. However, that typically they reported that after a couple of months, they got over this, that they were able to express themselves. And I would say 80% of group of 440 participants, 80% said that after a couple of months, things were okay. But then 20% said, well, in fact, it took me at least a year or several years before my partner and I really got to understand each other. And typically, it had to do with uh, pragmatic linguistic issues, and very often it was linked also to cultural issues. Like if you express your your anger, uh, in, I remember one participant said who has um, Chinese as a first language, and she said that her partner did not understand that she expressed anger through silence, and that he just didn't get it. She was angry. She grew silent. And then he said, you know, what's wrong? What are you saying? And, and she remained silent because typically also Asians tend to avoid verbalizing how they feel, the opinion that the interlocutor should be able to read their emotional state. Whereas in Western cultures, there is much more emotion talk. Australians, Americans love saying, oh, I love you, I decide that. To Asians who arrive in these cultures, they, they seem, Westerners seem to overdo the emotion talk, and they prefer to be more subtle in communicating emotions without words. So it also uh, opened my eyes to issues when you're an immigrant in the other culture, that as a Westerner in a Chinese or a Japanese context. They may think that you are childish in in wanting to express how you feel. That is just not the way you communicate your emotions in that particular cultural context. And the other way around, I have had Chinese and Japanese students and they seem to be emotionless to me because they weren't using the words that I was expecting to hear about had they enjoyed the class or had they seen the film and enjoyed the film, et cetera? And it took them a while before they started imitating what the other people in class uh, did. Uh, and, and then I realized that they were expressing their emotions, in a, but on wavelengths that I wasn't listening to. So I had to start paying attention. And, and I guess that that is really also the thing about acculturation, that when you find yourself in a new environment, you need to find your feet your feet, and, and you need to tune in on the right wavelength to understand what it is that people mean.
0: Thank you so much, Jean-Marc. This has been fantastic. For everyone listening, I hope you have the opportunity to you know, reflect on your emotions and understand maybe a little bit more about why you say things in, to specific people in certain situations, but you don't necessarily say that to other people. So, this has been a special edition of Much Language Such Talk. We're here specifically talking about our love languages. And if you have anything you want to tell us about your love languages, please let us know. You can get in touch with us on social media, email us at podcast.mlstgmail.com, or you can just leave us a comment on our website. So, as always, we hope that you learned a ton about your languages and emotion. Our next episode will be coming out on the 24th of February. So, please keep an eye out for that. And because we're cheesy and really into the season of telling each other that we love each other. As always, stay safe, stay healthy, and we love you guys.
9: Te quiero. I love you. Te amo. Matukan susta. Habba kiktier. Te amo. Maybe salitud. Te
4: amo. Ma valita n susta.
9: I love
5: you. te.
4: Musta lic.
3: Te amo. I love you. And I'm and you have a kar and you have Tiramma. Tiramu Papa.
9: And now it will come to the gestures.
3: Yes. <laughs>